some men drink alcohol Some men juices of the vine But as for me I'm very simple Give me coffee every time Make it warm and make it sweet Just the way my life has been Give me coffee, coffee, coffee And you've absolutely found yourself a friend Cincinnati and that opening song is called Coffee, Coffee, Coffee by Freedy Johnston. And that's going to be our intro to the long-awaited interview with Jesse Harriet from Copper Horse Coffee in Ithaca, New York. So without further ado, let's get talking with Jesse. Okay, everybody, we're here with Jesse Harriet from Copper Horse Coffee. Jesse, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Dave. It's a pleasure to be on. Great. Hey, can you tell me a little bit? I've known you for a little while now, but I... Mm-hmm. I neglected to ask you about Copper Horse Coffee and, and yourself and how you got into the coffee business. And Copper Horse, where did that come from? Well, I guess uh, we'll start with uh, the history uh, real fast of how I get in. So uh, I've been working, uh, started working as a barista and um, delved in from there and been commercially roasting for quite a while. And <clears throat> wanted to move back to the Ithaca area, which is home for me to be near extended family. So in that process, um, started talking to some friends up here about, um, I guess, I guess the main connection, uh, would be, uh, Christian Woodall at Carriage House Cafe. He wanted me to, he was, he was joking with me for years. Cause one of my favorite things when I started commercially roasting coffee is I would, um, share coffee with friends um over the holidays and such and and uh he would kind of joke with me about like man this is really good when are you going to come roast for us up back up here in Ithaca because I was out in the midwest and so I said I don't know you know and it started out as kind of a joke of like hey you know when are you coming over and uh but uh started feeling the heartstrings getting pulled to come back home near family and so I thought hey I can start a little small business there was already some great posters here but i thought we could do some uh niche things that um other people couldn't and i'd learned some things over a decade of roasting out out there and uh so i came back and started copper horse and actually when we came back i consulted with uh um spent some time consulting with some friends um and one of them uh, uh basically suggested to me that um i i was going to call i was actually originally going to call this carriage house coffee roasters um but he suggested um since it had such a close name affiliation with carriage house cafe that i come up with a different name Mm -hmm. um so i we we thought about it and the logo for carriage house was a copper horse weather vane oh okay and we went through now it was just like you know the band naming process when i used to play music you know you go through like 90 names that are ridiculous and finally we just you know christian and i spent a lot of time formulating this over the phone before i even arrived here in 2014 so we spent years talking over the phone about ideas and uh then you know one day he just said 
what about Copper Horse Coffee? And boom, that was it. It works. So yeah, and we're um, so our our philosophy is you know for for our our company is pretty simple. It's we do uh, I'm focused on doing small batches, so 20 pounds and under per batch, based on just my philosophy of roasting and. And um, so keeping very small batches for very good control attempts mm-hmm. and um, and um, just speed and changing roast profiles with smaller batches. Right. Um, and then, um, yeah, we try to get fresh crops, specialty grade coffee, which basically means current green coffee from this year's harvest. Um, and we try to get the, you know, it's basically the top 5 to 10% of a lot. Uh, that we get of coffee from different farmers and we we get that in a variety of ways whether it's through the farmers themselves through exporters through different people working in countries um, as well as importers so kind of a variety of ways of sourcing the coffee it's never one way for one for everything you know Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about different types of coffee beans. I know there's Robusta, Arabica, and a couple of others. And I remember commercials always saying, oh, we use only the best Arabica beans. Is Arabica the best bean? Are there other beans that are better, or are there different uses? Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah, I mean, I think when we talked, I think uh, one of the questions, you know, was Robusta, Arabica, Liberica, and Excelsa. Um, and, uh, really they found, they found that Excelsa is actually a varietal of Liberica. Um, and so basically you've got, you know, Robusta, Arabica, Liberica, um, forgive me if I'm not pronouncing it correctly. Uh, but, um, <laughs> I, I don't either, but yeah, Robusta, you know, saying robust is actually, you know, a lot of what it is. It's a very disease resistant, uh, uh, coffee, um, the Arabica is really the least disease resistant. And Liberica, it was actually initially uh, a substitute when Arabica coffees were having issues. And now it's uh, grown, um, you know, in some places around the world. I think, it, if I remember, I think it was initially grown as a substitute in the Philippines um, when other coffees around the world weren't doing so well uh, at some point there. Yeah, I um, read that one time. Yeah, yeah. So, and then now it's grown. I know, um, um, yeah, in quite a few places. But yeah, Arabica, though, I mean, you know, basically has the best, um, you know, according to, you know, what a lot of roasters and a lot of the research that I've read says, you know, has has the best uh, the best propensity for like the most complex sugars. Uh, the tastiest just has to be high grown to stay away from those diseases. Uh, and high such. grown meaning up on mountains or? Yeah, at higher altitudes. Okay. So not necessarily. So it could be, you know, a lot of times, obviously it is mountainside, but sometimes it's high plateaus. It's not necessarily, um, you know, it varies from place to place. So. Mm-hmm. so coffee is grown all over the world, though, because I know there's, it's uh, uh, Yemen is one of the first areas for coffee. And then. Uh, Kenya, Jamaica, South America, uh, Sumatra, and the islands there. And tell me more about that. Is it like, is it, is it natural to all those areas? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I know there's a lot of, I'll, I'll tell you one, one thing that was great when uh, one of the coffees I got from Papua New Guinea, um, when I was looking at the varietals, the varietals um, in the, um, 
uh, that were grown uh, in it was basically a lot of coffee from a bunch of smallholders and one of the varietals they mentioned is Blumaka, uh, Jamaica, excuse me, Jamaica Blue Mountain varietal uh, grown in Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think there's there's definitely some, and this happens, I mean, I've seen this with many trends, including like, um, oh, like Catamores, which are like, you know, hybrids of Robusta and Arabica. But like, I feel like um, whether it's processing or types of coffee, uh, uh, I, another example would be like um, Geisha, the varietal. Um, you know, people, people see that it gets a high price. So other people are like, Ooh, let's grow that over here, you know, or, Mm -hmm. or, um, whether it's a processing style Mm -hmm. where somebody might've been doing wash coffees at their farm. And then everybody's like, Ooh, these naturals are amazing. Ooh, let's do a natural process, you know, um, and vis-a-vis. Uh, so, you know, I think, I think a lot of those areas can definitely cultivate crops and, um, you know, so it's, so it's like, uh, as far as where it's grown, I know there's just a lot of uh, heirloom varietals. I think they're still finding new varietals of coffee in Ethiopia. There's definitely a lot of wild-grown forest coffee that, um, you know, they found a lot of those. So as far as where it's grown, I mean, there's definitely definitely um, country by country, place by place. I mean, yeah. there's there's purposeful cultivation and then some wild cultivation, you know, as well. I imagine it's going to be. It has to be kind of like uh, like grapevines for wine. You know, terroir has a lot to do with it. Where it's grown, the soil, the conditions, right? Yeah, really good, really good soil. Um, between the tropics at high altitudes is is basically the the initially initial you know history I found. Um, and overall, you know, find that to be true. I mean, you can grow it other places. I mean, there's. There's, um, you know, you could really grow it anywhere. I mean, there's, uh, but just, you know, as far as what yields for good production um, and best, you know, tastiest coffee, that's that's the question. That's really, I feel like with all these things, like, the, you know, taste is paramount. Right. You know, so, um, yeah. So let's, uh, the, the coffee that I get from you, uh, Dave's Dark Roast, uh, what kind of bean is that? So those are the, that's from uh, Swiss Water Process uh, in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. Um, okay. It's three coffees. It's uh, a Sumatra, Colombia, and a Brazil. A Swiss Water Process decaf. Um, so it's a blend of decaf coffees. I find like with uh, decaf, I like to use blends um, because I feel like the single origin uh, decaf are. Uh, a lot of them that I've uh, sample roasted over the years tend to be a part of a hole in my brain. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're they're obtuse on their own, but um, you know, finding finding um, you know blending is is tricky because it can be a disaster. And I've gone through lots of bad experiments with blending, and then there's other uh, you know good things that have come from it. So I think it's I think it's a blending itself is a, is a double-edged sword but yeah it's it's practice you know for me it's a lot of practice and the idea of doing that with it with you know you want to i think i think the key for me is um especially with using swiss water process or 
with the other coffees we source, I mean, my, my brain always thinks of uh, just the culinary world and like I'm trying to get the best ingredients possible. And then from there we can create things. Right. Um, but it has to be has to be really good, That's good because analogy. we can't. I, I mean, my my whole my whole thing. I mean, I talked to my staff about this is like we can't actually in the roasting process make the ingredients better than they are. Yeah. You know, they, they have to be inherently themselves. And there's so many variables too, because you, you know, uh, we've spoken before how I roast beans at home and uh, there's a stage the coffee goes through. I'm going to let you talk about that. Uh, when you're roasting, you start with a green bean. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then take it from there. You put it in the roaster and you take it in the roaster and heat it up. <laughs> <laughs> but you go through different stages, like first crack, second we crack. We do, yeah. we do. Yeah, there's there. You're drying it. Um, you know, you're getting your browning reactions, and then you're doing your, uh, you know, you're caramelizing the sugars and et cetera, et cetera. So there are different phases of just, you know, at the beginning. I tell people like the best the best example I can give, especially when we just have when people visit our roastery a lot. So the my my favorite thing to just say is really easily is just like I, I I think about bread and how you know when you have dough it's wet and smaller than the finished baked bread but then when you're when when you've baked the bread it's lighter and uh, expands yep and so that's the best way I show people and we we like to show people if they have time when they come visit us. Just like here's our green coffee, and here's the same coffee roasted. Right, and you see it doesn't have any water left. How long does uh, it take to roast a batch? Let's say you're oh, let's say you're going so, from just a normal uh, uh, like a Vienna roast, and maybe um, we should explain the roasts a little bit too. Oh yeah, well there's different terminology different people use uh, for what it is. I mean, at this point, I. I've gone with the default for my brain and, and, and indeed for just the talking to people about it is I like to just say light, medium, or dark okay. for us. And then I give a, an actual temperature Fahrenheit that's on our external bean probe okay. uh, when we drop that coffee. So internal temp is obviously different than external temp, but like it gives people a gauge of where it is Yeah. Um, because all the coffees we're doing, I mean, we're we're pulling loads between 400 degrees Fahrenheit and 460 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, wow, that high. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously we don't get anywhere near 500, um, and 460 is pretty dark sure. for us. We, we do our very darkest load at that temp. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the time, mo- I mean, our parameters for most of our loads are anywhere between 11 minutes and, and 16 mm-hmm. is usually where I have most things land. Yep. That's um, what I roast at home. That's that's about what I go. It's about twelve to fifteen, twelve to fourteen. Mm-hmm. And I go by crack. <clears throat> Excuse me. I go by crack. Uh, I hear the first crack and they let it go a little bit. The chaff starts coming off. Then I hear a second crack and the bean starts to get a little oily. And that's mm-hmm. about where I like my bean. Okay. So yeah, yeah. Right on the right, that's that's right around where I take the uh, the our decaf is right. Uh, a little bit before second, um, is where I take our decaf and we have a certain, uh, you know, we have a, a different kind of profile and, mm-hmm. uh, time frame for our decaf than everything else. Actually, it's got its own little special world. So, mm-hmm. 
So what does a coffee bean look like before it's a coffee bean? It's a cherry, right? Well, so, okay. So, uh, so coffee shrubs have fruit and inside the fruit, they have seeds and seed, the seeds take up a lot of space inside the fruit. So you don't have a lot of fruit pulp. I, I'm not a very technical person, but basically like, um, for us, I, I think that, you know, it never became a popular uh, fruit because there wasn't much fruit. Much to eat, uh, yeah. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of seed, no fruit. A lot of seed, no fruit, yeah. I tell people it's like, you know, just the cherry. Uh, I, I've put coffee coffee fruit in my mouth before. It can be very delicious, but you can only kind of suck on it. You know, yeah. I can't really eat it. Um, but, um, you know, yeah, it's, I tell people, like, just imagine uh, – uh, a cherry with a really, really big pit in it. And that's mm-hmm. pretty much what you're dealing with. Um, so now most coffee is flat bean where you have a flat side. So if you can uh, envision a sphere, um, you've got two that are facing each other. So they're flat side face each other and the other side, so- other half of each seed is a semicircle. Okay. Um, and so that's why you usually have flat bean. And then you occasionally have a pea berry where basically just one seed alone uh, is hanging out in there. So okay. they get round or, you know, pea round-ish. berries. Yeah. yeah. Roundish mm-hmm. is a good thing. Yeah. And, they, and people sort for that, you know, sometimes for pea berry lots. And um, for the longest time for one of the companies I worked for, we, we had a Tanzania pea berry that we roasted. And they actually, you know, the pea berries actually roast really nice and evenly. Um, because with flat bean, you're dealing with a flat side and a round side. Whereas if you've just got little spheres in there, it's actually really a little easier to uh, manage heat. Kind of like rolling marbles around. Yeah. 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 So the bean, the, the cherry, the, the, the fruit gets stripped off and then it's processed somehow to get, make sure that's all. And then it has to dry a little bit. Yeah. I tell people that basically for processing, it's um, washed is one side and natural is the other side and there's everything in between. Okay. Um, so the the main two ways you can say, um, I mean, there's and again, there's lots of variations and there's lots of names for the variations. So it's this whole wormhole you can go down. Oh yeah. Um, but um, <clears throat> basically, overall, when you've got that seed and the fruit pulp and the fruit skin. Um, a wash process is you, you know, you depulp, uh, you pick a ripe cherry or ripe fruit, and then you depulp that right away, get all the fruit pulp off of it. And you either do an anaerobic or aerobic fermentation on that. Okay. Um, but most of the time it's anaerobic because you have water in there with it. Um, so you, you know, have some less oxygen in the process. Um, but yeah, so, but overall, as a summation, like you've got wash, which you immediately depulp the seed from the fruit and skin, and then natural or sun-dried process or other names, <laughs> you know, because like I said, um, you know, natural, you dry um, with the fruit, skin, pulp, and seed together, let that dry and shrivel, and then you depulp dry um, mm-hmm. with that. And so you get a lot of uh, contact with uh, fruit pulp, fruit skin, with the seed, yep. everything fermenting together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I like the, it. 
does it make a difference oh. in the taste of the coffee? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, lots of lots of differences. So you get our fermented fruit. Um, you know, obviously, because you're dealing with fermenting fruit, yep. uh, you get that more of that flavor from a lot of the naturals. You get more body. Uh, you have definitely the propensity for more um, a less clean cup, though. Uh, a lot of the ways, and, and again, the, I never have perfect examples. These are just what I use sure. as a as a base, like quick, like here's how I can explain it in less than a minute. Is that you know, wash coffees, I, I tell people, like, you have grapes and raisins. Okay. Um, and so, uh, you know, I treat wash coffees like grapes um, and natural coffees like raisins. So the grapes are very clean and crisp. They don't um, – unless you eat a whole bunch of them, you don't need to slam a whole bunch of water after you have a couple of grapes, you know. Yep. Um, but if you eat – quite a few raisins then you definitely need to get some water in you mm-hmm. you know uh, but the pungency and the um you know strength of the flavors in the in the raisin um you know they're in your face more than the flavors of the grape okay um and uh, i mean again that's not a perfect example but just to give you an idea like you know washed grape natural raisins so right. um so you also have the you know the question of you know, I think uh, I definitely don't say there's a better way. They're just different. Right. But there, you definitely get discussions about you know which is better and why, and mm-hmm. and then you have you know diehard fans of one or the other. Um, so and people uh, people get kind of crazy. Like, I'll only take yeah, I only drink washed coffees. Naturals wash. are ridiculous, yeah. or vis-a-vis, yeah. mm-hmm. whatever. Um, yeah, and, but but the thing you do have with the natural processed raisin is that, you know, and this is what I say too, is that like the raisin, you know, has that kind of aftertaste that, um, that there's really not a better word for it, but people say like it's a lot of the natural processes have like ten, have tend to or are not as clean of a finish as wash coffees, okay. you know, so that crispness of a grape as opposed to like when the, the grittiness of a raisin. Mm-hmm you know, finish. Yep. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not one to tell people what to, what to drink. I, yeah, I'm well, more, I'm more always listening to what people like yeah. <laughs> and then, and then finding what works for us and then, uh, you know, repeating that, those yeah. steps. Yeah, everybody's, everybody's taste is different. You know, I've got friends that love, you know, hazelnut coffee. To me, that's an abomination. Don't coffee tastes so good by itself. You shouldn't be messing around with flavorings. So, Okay, just a short commercial break here. Wanted to remind you that we have a YouTube channel where we do DIY, cooking, chickens, all kinds of stuff. And also our Facebook page, Clean Slate Farm, Instagram, Clean Slate Farm. And in the show notes, I'm going to put some links to the burr grinder that we use for coffees. It's a Maestro Plus, which is no longer made. It's now called something else. Uh, but it's a great burr grinder. I'm going to put the Amazon link down below if you're interested in purchasing that. That would help support Clean Slate Farm. So back to the conversation with Jesse. Thanks. Anyway, let's. how about shelf staple? After you're roasting, now I noticed that when I roast at home, within the next, there's a difference in taste, for me at least, like within 72 hours, it starts to go downhill. 
and I say downhill, it's good. It's there's nothing wrong with it, but I get a brighter, cleaner flavor in the first forty-eight to seventy-two. Well, this is this is also up for a lot of debate amongst folks. Um, how are you? How are we storing that coffee when you say you have, you know, seventy-two hours um, with that? I store it in a mason jar, sealed, and I don't refrigerate. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as I know, for, like, so I, I read up on this stuff quite often, um, and I ebb and flow with what my thought is. I definitely think that regardless of storage, you do see fading after a week's time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, um, and obviously grinding plays a big role in that as well. Right. Um, you know, More when you're grinding air. coffee, yeah, it changes the game. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, like overall, you're going from green coffee to roasted coffee to ground coffee, yeah. and then what size grind you have all plays role in freshness overall on the macro level. But um, yeah, I would say, you know, I think as I'm trying to think of what references I have on this, I would say you you lose about I think it's. I mean, I don't want to quote the wrong number here, but I think you re- lose about 60% of the CO2 within the first week. Right, because um, it's, it's off-gassing nitrogen. In a high-barrier, one-way valve bag that's opaque, you know, um, and that's in a, you know, and I, I think your biggest, so your biggest enemies are obviously oxygen, light, moisture, right, uh, heat, um, are the, that's why, you know, everybody, you know, everybody says, yeah, store it in your pantry, on a shelf in an opaque bag, one-way barrier, uh, one-way valve, high barrier bag. Yeah. Um, you know, after people are opening it, so I get the, you know, that's one of the questions you deal with as a roaster. Like, should I put it in the fridge? Should I put it in the freezer? What should I do? And yeah, we're gonna talk about that in a second. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm getting ahead of myself. No, 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 right. that's cool. No, I'm just gonna point out to people. Jesse may be breaking up now and then, but it's because he's in the what do you call it? The roastery. Yeah, the roastery. Yeah, he's in the roastery getting ready to do a couple of batches of coffee. So, uh, okay, so let's move back to uh, how to make a good, well freezing beans. I, I people have told me, oh, you got to freeze your beans, and that's like doesn't do any good, right? Well, I mean, so back to the bread example, um, the best tasting baguette is using it the day of, right? Right. And then if you're going to store it long term, it's probably better to freeze than put it in the fridge, right? Yep. You absorb more odors in the fridge, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just tell people, you know, the best option is to just buy the coffee and use it that week or two, you know, after you open it. Um, and then if you do need to do long-term storage, the only issue you get with freezing is you get condensation. Um, so again, that's, you know, moisture, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the enemies of coffee. So, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, before it's time to actually brew it. Yeah. And that's exactly (laughs) why um, I don't do it. Yeah. So the condensation question is interesting. I mean, people say you can double bag it in freezer bags. It's like, well, still when you're quickly cooling and heating it up i mean you know you put the bag in you take it out you're going to get some sort of condensation that occur so right. i always say yeah you can do that for long-term storage um but you know it's not as good as just using it fresh uh, however i mean recently uh you know i'm trying to think of um 
like uh, Kyle did this whole thing for USBC a couple of years ago. Kyle uh, from Malconic there, he was working with Malconic. He, uh, you know, did this thing where he froze the coffee right before he put it in, uh, you know, for to grind it for espresso. And some people say when you, you know, when you freeze the coffee and you grind it after it, like right off of freezing, that it, uh, you know, you have more, um, <clears throat> the particles are, uh, basically are able to be the same size more often. So it fractures differently when than, it's ground. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, you've got that, whole, but like the That's actual, a little esoteric though. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, he was, he was definitely, it was, it was definitely quite the routine. You could find it online somewhere, I'm sure, and watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, I would I'd say <laughs> pragmatically, I don't know how many people want to do that. Right. Um, maybe in the future that'll be a thing. Uh, right maybe. now maybe. I don't I don't tell people, you know, you should just freeze all your coffee and then, you know, grind it. Right. I mean, I most people don't live that way. Right. So <laughs> it's fun for competition and it was a really cool routine and it was really awesome. Um, and it was great research behind it. And a lot of it, there's a lot of truth to it. Um, I just think it's, uh, to get it to the actual pragmatic stages. Maybe somebody's working on that right now. They probably are. So we've, we know what a bean is. We know how it's roasted. Uh, tell me, how do you make a great cup of coffee? Ooh, a great cup of coffee. You got to well, start with the grind because the grind has to be right for the machine. Right. So I, I tell people, you know, overall, you want to focus on grind, dose, time, temperature. Um, so um, the grind has to be right for the amount of coffee you're putting in for the brewing equipment um, at the right time brewing and the right temperature for brewing. Mm-hmm. So, um, so there's multiple examples we could go through. Um you know uh, the the you know the grind does have to be right for the device. So right. if you uh, and and for people that are just getting you know into the, the different grinds and everything, I tell people like a lot of times I'll be like, hey, just look on a the old grocery store grinder, you know, and you'll see all the different brewing methods right on there. Right. You know that it says you know for fine espresso, medium, coarse, you know, coarse, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Those sort of things. I mean. You know, the course usually has a little French press symbol on it, and mm-hmm. so you can kind of get an idea. So uh, generally, uh, finer grinds mean shorter contact time. Coarser grinds mean longer contact time. And then temperature, if you're doing like a cold brew, um, if you're using – I'm not hope I'm not getting ahead of you here. No, Let no. me know. But like, you know, if you're using cold water, you obviously have a longer time because – longer contact time because you have a lower temperature which is you know less basically less active than a hotter temperature mm-hmm. um so but yeah so overall like a real fine grind for espresso you're gonna have a short espresso shot you know you're gonna have a you know a 30 second shot right because it's pushing, right through, the, pushing um, right through the grinds right yep but with a very coarse grind and a French press, you know, you're looking at like a four to five minute contact time yep. as opposed to 30 seconds. So and it's significant. And that is why you want to start with as hot water as you possibly can. The machine we have at the restaurant is 203 degrees. That's where we start at. So, yep. Yeah. And you do have some heat loss right out of the gate too. Right. Um, so, I mean, 
yeah, a lot of times the optimal the optimal mid temp is 200, and then you've got that really that window of for most most brewing between 195 and 205, and then you know just like we were talking about, and again I won't, I won't go fully down this wormhole, but you you also like can especially with pour overs or um, brewing coffee, um, you know where you have control over the temperature with say like a digital kettle or whatever then you can mess with the temps for wash coffees and natural coffees bringing the temp up and down and seeing what you taste better but we won't mm-hmm. talk about all that but like the, you can definitely go as far as you want to explore that general ratios overall though um you know there's a high ratio of uh coffee uh to water in espresso yep uh, because you're extracting a lot into the cup, um, but for for a lot of the other methods, um, generally, like uh, your general. So when I used to talk about grind, dose, time, temp, uh, you know, the dose part is for most coffees um, on a daily basis when people just walk into the 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 roastery or whatever you know i just tell people one to 16 ratio in english measurement of like one ounce by weight of coffee to 16 fluid ounces water is the english measurement and then metric equivocal is you know about six to seven grams of coffee per 100 milliliters water depending Mm -hmm. and that's supposed to get you uh if you're doing the other things right that's supposed to get you within that like gold cup standard of the sca you know sort of thing where you've got like the proper extraction yield percentage mm-hmm. for brew strength percentage yeah um there's like a little you could probably you know you could you folks can look that up too there's a little chart for that and um it just came up with those numbers over time <clears throat> of i mean they're not like you know they're definitely not distinct to us i mean it's a lot of that is just you know kind of tasting with other people and um and then you all you always have that person that comes in and like you know um like one of the things we do i mean it's not super regular that we deal this but you know there's somebody that maybe you know we gave a bag of coffee to to for the first time last week right Mm -hmm. and then they come in the next week and they're like oh it tasted so weak in my brewer i'm like what really and then we'll talk about it and i'll be like man you need to be using more coffee in there like oh or if they're like man it was so strong i'm like how much coffee do you use you know and like you know and and that's always my first question i mean i always want um i mean i should say that you know i i'm not against our coffee not being the right fit for somebody in a taste profile that's why a lot i mean so don't get me wrong on that it's like not like an ego thing where i'm like oh you know our coffee's delicious always you know um it's like no maybe they like a lighter roast or maybe like a darker roast or maybe like a medium roast and i give them a light roast or whatever Mm -hmm. that's why i always try to uh in my training for years training baristas which one of the things i did before even was roasting is you know a lot of times when i'm telling people to you know, when somebody's looking at the coffee shelf at a shop, I mean, it's, you know, I, I would say with what's trending now in coffee, this isn't always the case. But for me overall, it's always great to start with like, well, what do you usually drink? Are you usually a light roast drinker? Do you like medium roast? Do you like dark roast? Is always where I start with people because you're saying, hey, I like my coffee when I roast it at home. And, 
you know, I like coffee to drink in general to be like this second crack, you know, near around second crack. Well, it's worthless for me to give you, I mean, something that you don't like to start, you know, right. the relationship with us. You know what yeah, I mean? You're it's starting like, to race like, with the wrong horse. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh, okay. Ooh. There he is. <laughs> hey, here he comes. Um, yeah. So, um, but yeah, so I always want to start where people are at and then we can talk about other coffees that we're excited about and stuff. But yeah. like, I don't. You know, the last thing I want to do is try to twist somebody's arm that I just met. You know, (laughs) I want to give them what they like, you know, like, hey, oh, do you like this? Oh, well, here, let me give this a try. But but I'm saying like when it comes to ratios and stuff, a lot of the time when people have brewing issues, it's like either the temperature of their brewer. Like a lot of the times I find that like a lot of odd. Drip home machines don't even get up to temperature. Right. Uh, you know, if you just buy, you know, a regular one, or if like somebody's say using the uh, single blade, uh, oh, you know, no, no, the, no, no. the whir- the whirly blade grinder, and you know, instead of using, you know, something that controls the cut a little better on the coffee, you yeah. know, they use the single blade. So they've got, you know, these huge chunks and these really fine dust particles, and they're like, mm-hmm. I don't know why your coffee's tasting all weird. Yep. Like, well, here, let me just, you know, and what I'll do, like in that case, if it's a grind issue, I'll grind a little bit of that coffee here and have them take it home using their brewer right. as opposed to what they were doing, you know, and have yeah. them taste the difference. That, that makes a So huge, there's lots of little. Yeah, that makes a huge difference because we used to have a little whirly, the little helicopter thing, I call it, and I use that as a spice grinder <laughs> now. That's and, a great name. And then. Yeah, helicopter. I, I. I spent the money. I spent like $190 and I bought a good burr grinding machine. The thing is just a little army tank sits there and grinds away. And then I regularly clean. We have a drip maker. It's a Cuisinart or one of those. And it, it may not be the best, but I, I clean it regularly because I know scale buildup. Wow. What do we got going on there? Oh, uh, we're making coffee actually. <laughs> oh. <laughs> We're, yeah, AJ's making some delicious coffee oh, right now. and that's what we're I'm test- drinking. We're testing our Valentine's blend today. So. so making sure that the, the coffee machine is clean, and because there's those variables do make a difference. Oh, yeah. I mean, a clean machine, yeah, obviously, like, there's starting points, yeah, for everything. Uh, clean machine, using filtered water, uh, those sort of things. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Jesse. Um, and if people want. Oh, go ahead. No, go, go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say, if you want, like, you know, it's good. It's good to invest in a good, you know, uh, you know, coffee degreaser too, um, on yes. your machines, you know. And I'm definitely, <laughs> I mean, I'm not endorsed by anybody or anything, but like, you know, there's definitely some good ones out there to get the coffee oils off your machine. And the other thing too, when you're talking about grinder, is like a lot of people are like, man, I want to have an espresso machine at home, and they want to spend all this money on an espresso machine, and then they want to use a really cheap grinder. And I tell them, actually, don't bother. Start with a really expensive grinder and a less expensive espresso machine. Yeah. Because that grinder for espresso, especially, is so much more important. I mean, it's not like you know, as long as you want a consistent temp out of your espresso machine, but you don't want to go spend you know fifteen hundred bucks on an espresso machine and spend one hundred fifty bucks on a grinder. That's meant for like being an all-purpose grinder, not an right. espresso grinder, mm-hmm. you know. And then, then there you are. You're like, man, I don't know, my espresso stinks at home. It's like, well, I mean, maybe next time, uh, you know, et cetera. So yeah, I, I, I might, I, oh, I probably did go overboard on our grinder. It's got forty different settings for for like coarse for French grind. The fine, it's when it comes out, it's like I could grind it so fine, it's like flour. It's, nice. It's really, it's a nice grinder, but, and then I have our espresso machine too. Sweet. But, 
Yeah, that's the way it goes. But anyway, Jesse, I know you've got coffee to roast and coffee to drink, and I'm drinking some of the stuff that you roasted for us. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. That was very helpful. I'm going to put a link to your website and the show notes down here and uh, so people can see that. And if you can, you've mentioned a degreaser, which is something I hadn't heard of before. Maybe if you can just send me a text with with a link to that somehow. I want to check oh, sure, that yeah. out. Yeah, that'd be cool. Anyway, great. Excellent. Thanks for talking with us today, Jesse. Get back to roasting that coffee. I need more. <laughs> so thanks, man. It was, it was nice to talk to you as well. I'm glad we could we could do this. Yeah, I know. It's Finally, it's been what, like three or four months. We've been talking about it. Yeah. Well, we yeah. got there. Good enough. Thanks, Jesse. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the Clean Slate Farm podcast and downloading this episode. Our next episode coming up is going to be with Will Wallace from the Weekend Homesteader. Will's going to tell us about his new adventures up in the wilds of I think it's Wisconsin. Sorry about that, Will. Following that, I'm trying to arrange an interview with a dairy farmer. And we're going to talk about what exactly is going on with dairy farmers and the price of milk. And it's really a kind of a mess. And she's going to help decode that and explain that a little bit for us. So stick around and listen for that one. Hey, thanks again for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate it. Bye-bye.